Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we are talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yes. Courtney is here today. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hey, hey. So excited to talk about this film. I know. I have seen everything out there. Well, not everything out there that you've put out, but you know, I follow you on Twitter and I love uh, everything that you're saying. So I can't wait to (laughs) talk about this with you. Awesome. Let's do it. But I wanted to start off, of course, with our question of the day. And because Indiana Jones is such an adventure, the whole franchise and this whole movie, I was thinking I wanted to know what is one of your favorite adventure movies besides Indiana Jones? I have several, um, many of which are included inside that franchise. But I was thinking about this question. I was like, what are some of the older films, like adventure films that I absolutely loved? And like immediately thought of The Goonies. Like this was, yeah. you know, the the best movie ever made. Can I just say that? <laughs> you <laughs> define defined my um, my teen years because um, it came out in what 1985 I think and uh, that's when I was in high school as a sophomore in high school so of course I had to include the goonies but if we're fast forwarding to recently uh, I would say the jungle cruise with yep. m- my boyfriend the rock <laughs> oh and... I didn't know that I didn't know that Courtney <laughs> oh we go way back. That's another story. But, um, and also Lost City, which I absolutely loved, uh, that came out about uh, a little bit more than a year ago, um, post pandemic. And that pink pantsuit, that pink sequin pantsuit of Sandra Bullock's, I just can't even get over it. Like, it's so funny. And Channing Tatum, who I believe is a great comedic actor. Yes. How about you? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I also thought about Jungle Cruise because that it happens to be a newer film that we saw. I really like it. I like it a lot. Is it my favorite? I don't know about that. I think Goonies is a great choice. I did think about like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, it's a good one too. But you know, an old one that just came to mind for me was Romancing the Stone. Oh, that's also a good, I forget about in Jewel the Nile. Like that whole Joan Wilder. Yeah. Joan Wilder. (laughs) So I, I, that was what, um, that was the one that popped out to me, but super good. They don't make them to me like they used to, and so no, they there are not as many out there. So I love that we are talking about these now. And friends out there, I would love to know what your favorite adventure movie is. You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Screens in Focus and Threads. Threads. Uh, all, all social media links are on our website, screensinfocus.com, because we would love to hear from you and to know what your favorite adventure movie is. All right. So let's jump into Indiana Jones franchise. Let's start off with, because it spans since... 81, 1981. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what is your personal connection to the movies or what special memories that you might have or anything you want to bring up? Uh, well, I will say these, the Indiana Jones franchise entire suite of movies always had for me like a signature gross out scene <laughs> ah. or like a few of them, right? Like the things that stick out are like the, the Nazi's face that melts away when he looks oh, yeah. at the, 
he looks at the, the the spirits that are coming out of the Ark of the Covenant or like the huge millipede that that slinks up the back of Kate Capshaw as they're trying to get through in um, Temple of Doom. And uh, and and then the in the I, I can't remember which one was this one. Was it Crystal Skulls where um, also Nazis come and then they they get consumed by all those bugs like they have to they get like stuck on that little anthill and they're those like killer fire ants and like completely devour the carcass in like two five 2.5 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All of those scenes to me are so quintessential like well, excuse my language but like fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like like don't do the thing that Indy's telling you not to do and they always do, right? Like right. <laughs> which is part of the delight. It is. And you know, I just rewatched Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark because I I just wanted to watch the rewatch the first one cuz it's been a little bit. Yeah. I would have loved to watch all of them right before we got together to talk about the latest one. I haven't I wasn't able to do it. I mean, I've seen them all and I've seen bits and parts of all of them again, but I really wanted to refresh my memory. So I'm so glad that you remembered those details as to which gross out scene <laughs> matched which movie <laughs> and I the face melting one and, and everybody being sucked up, all of that. I was able to re re see that again. So it was, it was fun to see that again. And it was interesting to see from 1981 to 2023, you know, yeah, the, with the advances in technology and then you know, how far the films have, have come along yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, just all of that. It was just really fun to see it. And I, you know, watched them as they came out each film and I just remember the earlier films, I would go to my sisters. This was, I think, before we had our kids, me and my husband, and we'd go to my sisters and we would just sit and watch these movies and really enjoy it. So they just have a really good memory. We loved uh, watching these adventure films. So I just, yeah. um, I just loved it. And I was very excited. We had both talked about this being one of our most anticipated films. And you had reminded me of it when we had talked about the trailers of films a while back. And mm -hmm. so finally it's here and finally we get to see it. So I'm, oh my I'm, gosh. I'm so happy about it. Yes. Um, I do want to say one thing is that I just saw like negative reviews on it and I hadn't seen that. I'd only seen that the critics had given it not so good reviews, but I had seen everything on Twitter and other places were positive. But just today, I saw some people, I think it was on Letterboxd. So I've also been seeing similar things. And I feel like this is one of those super polarizing movies where either you love it or you hate it. And there's, I have not heard from anyone who is like, yeah, it was all right. Like, it's either, oh my God, I loved it. It was a great romp or dumbest movie I've ever seen. Made no sense. Can't believe that they made it. <laughs> It's so shocking to me. I almost feel like people want just something to say. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm feeling because, and we're going to get into this, all the reasons that we loved it. And I just can't see that many people saying this. It yeah. just boggles my mind. I don't get it. It really does. I know. I actually got into um, a, I like a heated debate with with someone a couple days ago about this um, because they were a hater of it. Like, Oh my God, why did they even make this movie? I came late. I was like, come on. 
why, what are you expecting? <laughs> like, yeah. like seriously. And they're like, oh my God, there were so many holes in the plot. And like Harrison Ford, he's, he's 80. And like, they're trying to show him as this action figure and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but isn't it okay if this movie can just be an homage to the Indiana Jones series and the character and yeah. like, just give them that and just, Bring your suspension of belief in the places where it needs to be. This this is not something that's going after like best picture of the year Academy Award. It's right. it's supposed to be a bookend to a really important cinematic series exactly. in film history. So just give it that. <laughs> Ex- I yes, I totally one hundred percent agree with you, and that's the way I think of it about it too. Oh my gosh. It, I know. It, all right. So I'm just going to briefly talk about the four movies just so everybody remembers. So yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark was in 1981. It was set in 1936. We are introduced to Indiana Jones, who embarks on the quest to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis who seek its power. Then in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in 1984, Indy uncovers a sinister cult's plot involving stolen sacred stones and child slavery. And then in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was in 1989, Indy teams up with his father, Henry Jones Sr., to search for the Holy Grail while battling against a secret Nazi society. And of course, Sean Connery is introduced as Indy's father. I just love that, by Mm -hmm. the way. I just totally remember when that was happening. And I'm like, this is so cool. I know. And then uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2008, set in the 1950s. Indy faces Soviet agents while on a quest for a crystal skull with mysterious powers. And of course, Marion Ravenwood returns and introduces Indy's son, Mutt Wilson, played by Shia LaBeouf. So, and I liked it. Okay, and my husband liked it. And I know that that was, you know, poo pooed upon too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I want to say, well, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was probably my least favorite movie of all of them. However, I do think that it had the most heart in it because of like him going and meeting his son and like, you know, that that whole sort of relationship and closing that that gap. Right. You know, because I think that 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 was one criticism that I did read about this latest one too, was that like, why you got to bring the carrot? Well, this is a spoiler alert. Why you got to bring Marion back at the end? You know, I don't understand. And I was like, but that was one of the sweetest parts. I was like, literally yes. shed a tear in the theater. I was like, oh my God, they still have this great chemistry. If they didn't bring her back, I would have been mad. Yeah, right. And then she thought that her role probably wasn't even as big as it should have been. And I agree. She should have been in it a little bit more toward the end there instead of just that last moment. That actually would have been a good plot twist is if for some reason she ended up on the plane going back in time with them. And then it was them back in time together. And like knowing that their son had died, right? Like decided to stay. Like that would have been a different way to write the ending, I suppose. (laughs) That would have been. See, nobody called me. Damn it. I know what you you need to make sure your numbers have <laughs> all right, so you know this whole franchise blends history and mythology and adventure that has just captivated us through the decade. It sparks our curiosity about the past and its hidden treasures. So are there any 
uh, key elements or, you know, there's so much cultural significance. Mm -hmm. What stands out to you? Well, I love the connection between the holy relics because I, I feel like, I mean, me, I've talked about this before, like having been raised by parents who are very religious and my mother like almost daily quotes Bibles, Bible verses back to me. Um, like being able to see that crossover and the importance of these biblical relics in the course of history and the mythology that surrounds them, right? Like the Holy Grail being a carpenter's goblet. Uh, it would not have been this very gilded thing, right? That's part of the, the lore that you have to have studied and knew that Jesus was a carpenter, right? So knowing that and also believing that it had special powers that sort of transcended, you know, the religious subtext of it, the spiritual subtext. So I love that. And then also um, how that extends into like the Knights of the Templar and them over the years protecting that bloodline, you know, of, of Jesus. And like, I'm super intrigued by the alternate. Um, oh, you know, we didn't even talk about like, sorry, you just made, I just reminded myself of the, da okay. the Da Vinci Code, right? Which is another ad oh. adventure movie that I absolutely loved. Um, oh, I love that too. Yes. And so I'm glad you brought that up. That <laughs> is one of my favorites. I yes. love those. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so all of those that are, you know, gods and demons and or angels and demons. And anyway, um, so uh, that, that whole like uh, misrepresentation of like, is the Holy Grail an actual physical thing? Is it a, is it a goblet or is it the bloodline of Christ? Is the Holy Grail actually Mary Magdalene and the supposed daughter that they had together and that perpetuated the bloodline of, of Jesus and Mary, like into, you know, the latter years, which so, you know, being able to sort of think about that in both ways, I love the way that Indiana Jones just represents it as an actual physical thing that people are trying to get their hands on, which I think is, it's interesting, right? And then, yeah, then the, the archaeology piece of it that you mentioned, like, I'm, I love stories about like ancient Egypt, and the, the, old ancient Kings and the mummies and all of that. So to bring in, you know, sort of those elements too, I think is really intriguing. All the mysteries of the past. I, I'm a mysteries of the past gal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So the exploration of archeology span is so intriguing, like you had just said, and this treasure hunting, I just think is very, very cool. And I unfortunately was not the best history student. I think I tuned out a lot during, during all those school years. And so when I get to learn now through movies, it helps me because I'm watching it and I get to see it and I learn things. And then when I see it, then I go look it up yeah. because I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. Don't remember anything. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that term, but that's all I know. And I, and I feel really bad now that I don't know what I should know. And it's, it's a little embarrassing. So never too late. <laughs> I know, but at least I learned some things through the movies that I watch. And so I really appreciate that about them. And also going through this adventure, we, you know, looking for these artifacts, we get to face the danger with them without actually experiencing the danger. But I think that's why this whole adventure is so exciting for all of us. Yeah. Because it's something that we aren't living, can't live. Well, I guess we could, but we aren't. <laughs> We're living our regular daily lives, but we get to live through the movies and TV shows that we see. Yeah. And so all the more that, you know, we love watching these adventures. And in speaking about history, 
I didn't really even know that this um, Antikythera. Is that really a real thing? Yes, it's a genuine device believed to be developed by ancient Greek scientists, Archimedes, who is a real historical figure. And I had no idea until I looked this up. I thought they were just making him up. They were making the uh, this um, Antikythera device. It was discovered in 1901, I read. In the Mediterranean, if I believe that's correct. And it was considered the first analog computer. I think it had to do with um, astronomy, figuring out stars. Wow, I can't even believe I remembered like those thoughts that I just read earlier. Yeah, well, I did know that um, that they had discovered an early like computer-like device. I, I understood it to be thought of being like the earliest mechanical clock right? That they could also, they used it to tell time because back in those days when the sun went down, you had nothing to navigate by except yes. for the stars. And so yeah. um, you couldn't use a sundial and you, yes, you could use the stars, but you're out of luck if there's, if it's a cloudy night. So uh, that's what I thought that it was. I, I didn't understand that this was thought to be maybe a time travel device or maybe something that, you know, I knew Archimedes well, that was a real made person. Up. Okay. But maybe that part is made up. <laughs> <laughs> they did say that the time travel was just put in there with the movies. All the other parts of it, the scientist and the device that it exists is out there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so so can, let's talk about that though for a minute because this is one of the ar- arguments that the uh, contrarian that I had that conversation with came up with, which was. If the device could only take you back to the time of Archimedes, then why was it so dangerous if it could only take you back to the one t- one place in time? Like, why do you have to break it in two so that it couldn't be used? And why did the Nazis want it as like a potential weapon of war when it only took you back to that one place? <laughs> I don't... Did it only take you back to that one place? I thought that they had... I don't know how it works, to be honest, but I thought they had designed for it to go back to 1939. But of course, the calculations were wrong, whatever they had calculated on it, that that's why but, they went back to. And, but they like, did they just accidentally set it to the time of Archimedes? <laughs> back to when they went back. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, if that's a real, maybe that was just a one of those suspension of beliefs things that I was talking about before that either, either it only did go back to that one time and and Archimedes designed it that way on purpose so that whoever found it would eventually always just come back to him and he could retrieve it and you were stuck in some kind of weird time loop. I don't know. Why, why would that make the movie so horrible? Come on. I know. I think it's, well, and and then the only other thing too, that he 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 brought up, which I, I was like, you know, when they're under the water and then they're going down, they like magically guess where this thing was. And then they just went down in the three minutes that they had air and they magically found it like in the three minutes that they had to go under the water. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm the kind of a, like a movie viewer. That's like, I understand that you don't have all day. You got to get to the point and you got to keep the story moving along. And so that's just one of the gimmies that you, that you give in, in the movie of suspending the belief. And I'm like, what do you want him to do? Spend 20 minutes trying to search around and find it? Like, no, yeah. you want him to find it. Okay, well. <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> uh, no, not you on their end. I just, I, I, know. I just really swear when people pick things apart so 
Try and make a movie, buddy. That's what you should say. Try right? and exactly. make a oh, movie. Yeah. And let's see oh, where I'm you sorry. get. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I can't hear you over your, uh, you know, best picture Oscar in the background. Oh, wait, you don't have one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Also, uh, re, re, you know, for, uh, I guess, pop culture significance, his whole hat, I, I think we're going to talk about this later, but the whole hat, the whole music, all of that. And also, the other thing that I love is that his, we have this professor who we have this specific image of what a professor would look like, but yet he's yeah. this rugged guy who can use this whip and get out of things and figure out things and and be brave enough except for the snakes. <laughs> yeah. But we just love these two elements of the, this type of person together and we just haven't and so it's just great. I just love Indiana Jones himself. Yeah. The well he this guy. He's a yeah, he's an unpredictable hero. Yeah. Right in that way because he has he's like book smart and street smart at the same time. And you wouldn't expect it to be that way. Right. And you put those things together and it makes for a really great adventure because he can pull stuff out when he needs to. It's, it's almost like a, he's almost like a video game character. Yeah. You know, in a way, like he has his strengths and his weaknesses and like, don't put him up against snakes, you know, but ooh, Jumanji, also another good. <laughs> I did think about another Jumanji a while, the other day. I did think about that one. <laughs> this is making me revisit like the circle of adventure films Yes, that's <laughs> in my brain. Good. Yeah. All right, so let's get to this actual film, Indiana. Well, we have been talking about it, but the actual uh, film, what happened in it. So it's set in 1969, Indiana Jones and his goddaughter, Helena Shaw, search for a device that could change history. But And they must beat a former Nazi scientist, Jürgen Waller, who wants to use it to alter the outcome of World War II. So what were your, we kind of already talked about this and covered this, but what were your expectations going into this film? I mean, the only expectation was that it's going to be indie, right? Like you just know it's going to be great. You're going to be entertained and you're going to have a great time. It's going to be a ride. So buckle up. It's going to be funny. It's going to be sweet and it's going to be fun to watch. Like that's, that was my only expectation there. And I thought that they added in like every, well, I suppose if you're a Nazi, you don't root for this, but like, who doesn't want to root for punching Nazis in the face? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like anytime, anytime that we can bring that into the storyline about Nazis getting defeated, I'm here for it. Like, yeah, it's not okay what they stand for. Right. And so keep reminding people as we become more distant right. in time. Exactly. World War Two. keep reminding people that the Nazis are the bad guys mm -hmm. and they're horrible and they're uh, a crime against humanity <laughs> and a hate group. So let's just keep reminding people of that, yeah. shall we? <laughs> yeah, I was super excited for this to come out. Again, because the other films had been so good and because we mm -hmm. knew we would be in for an adventure. We had talked, uh, you know, initially it comes out with the reviews that we had talked about that weren't so positive. But I'm like, you know, people say that and the movies can still be really great. People can love it. Audiences can love it. And Again, that is what I saw after watching this. I saw a lot of positive reviews from people, which oh, I oh yeah, which I love that. And it's it's the movie that we need right now, by the way, which is, is well th the beginning of a lot of movies that we need like this right now, which is a swing of the pendulum away from the serious and dark, and toward the light lightness and the light <laughs> of 
comedy adventure escapism, what, you know, movie making, I think in its, well, in, I say heyday, when I, when I think of movie making heyday, it's probably every single decade, but like little snippets of every single decade. For me, my mind goes back to the eighties, you know, which is like it, it, the way that Hollywood can answer back to really dark times is by creating these films that help us escape it and remind us of our humanity. Exactly. Like, don't forget, this is who we are. Okay, we could get into a whole nother conversation because I was going to say there are, I, I just love the 80s. There's a lot of great movies. I, I know we now can do so much more with CGI and just the way things are filmed and everything looks so much more beautiful. But the topics and the I I don't know I there was a lot of course 80s movies that weren't that good or very dated but there are some really good ones in there too I want to I don't I want to stay on this movie and not yeah so yes what did you love about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny what really would you love about it so much I loved the the style of the way the movie was made because I know that Steven Spielberg was not the director of this and that made a lot of people mad. Um, I loved, th- this is part of what I was talking about earlier is like the homage to the film series, which is it was made very 80s style. So there's an underlying music track to the entire movie, which, you know, if anyone listening out there has ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, and they know the secret sauce of making people feel like they're constantly escaping something, which is having an underlying music track. There's music playing everywhere when you're walking around Disneyland and this movie was no different. And that it lent was lent the brilliance of John Williams in his, in his score was just took you to another place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were right there along with these characters and felt the emotions because there is, there's no silent parts, right? Or very little silent parts in this entire movie. The whole thing is scored which is a very 80s way of making movies. And I love it. I'm here for it. Um, and and even like the the parts where they're traveling from one one country to another and they show the the map with like the little dots, you know, uh, or like them yes, flying. Yes. Very Casablanca style, yes. very old, you know, like Hitchcockian kind of passage of time and, and space, right? Like that sort of nod to the old way of showing that in, in a, cinematic way. And I thought that that was so fun. Um, and then even just like the, the, whatever the, the tonality of that, the cinematography was very much like an eighties film, you know, it wasn't like super, super vibrant. It definitely not, was not like Wes Anderson esque. It was very much like homage to the Indiana Jones shooting movies on film, (laughs) you know, like whatever it is that, that gave those older movies that, that, you know, well, I guess these days it's like Instagram filter, but you know, the original pre Instagram filter of what shooting movies on film look like. And I just, I loved all of it. It just is like made me so nostalgic and it made me like on the edge of my seat and the whole time just wanted to, like, I was literally like clapping a quiet <laughs> clap to myself during the movie, like, yes. especially after that beginning scene, yes. you know, yes. just was like before even any of the credits came and I was like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Like, this is so good. (laughs) You know, that whole beginning part with the train scene? Yeah. That's how I felt too. I felt 
I was excited. I there was just something about that whole sequence that just got to me. It was uh and it kept it up all the way through. But I will say that that was a standout moment for me that whole train scene. Just yes. I don't know, it just captivated you. It was so exciting. It was an yeah. adventure. You're on the top of this train fighting and it just all of it. And then of course, like I said, it then there's planes and there's automobiles, which reminded me of planes, trains, and, and tuk tuks. Yeah, tuk tuks and boats. Okay. Yes. And so all of these um, and horses. Trans yeah, <laughs> horses. Exactly. They're all used in this. And that's like crazy. You can incorporate that all into one movie. And also, this adventure takes us to all these different places. Berlin, New York City, Tangier, Greece, Syracuse. It's like, wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. So we're on these different modes of transportation. We're on these different countries and cities. And all these different things are happening. And so it's yep. so much fun. Plus, there's these emotional moments happening throughout yeah. all of this, which, of course, is what grips me along with all of this. And then Harrison Ford, come on, people, he is 80 and he has so much charisma, so yes. much. It's like crazy how one person and other actors have certain other actors have it too. But it's just so amazing to have him be yeah. able to bookend this movie, you know, with the first and so yeah. all these decades. And and maybe because they were able to de-age him via CGI that in that very first scene, it's almost like I felt like we were, like I was a kid again. Like I was watching him when he was young, you know, which felt very magical to me. Like you want to talk about, that was the first time travel experience of the movie. Yeah. Let's- No let, dial needed. <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about the de-aging technology and- effectiveness. What what did you think of that when you saw it? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was like, did it look 100% real? No, but like way better than any other AI or, you know, whatever CGI thing that I could imagine. Like I believed it. He looked like his 40 year old self. Like yeah. it was nuts. I believed it. I didn't even yeah. see any parts of it that I didn't think were accurate. In fact, I thought it went on and on and on for so long being a, his young self. I, I thought that was crazy. I wrote to myself, wow, I have mixed feelings. And I, and I remember saying this to my husband as we were driving away from the theater. And I said, the way I can always tell the age of a movie is by looking at the actors and knowing how old they were then compared to how they are now. Well, how am I going to do yeah. this? in however many years with this film. If I were just to see it, I wouldn't be able to tell because I would think, oh, this is an older film because look how young Harrison Ford looks. But now I can't do that. Yeah. So it's not going to help me figure out the age of the movie. But it was super cool. And I was reading that it, there was a team of 100 artists on Industrial Light and Magic who spent three years on the film's visual effects. And wow. it included enhancing and developing their existing de-aging technology to create this, you know, what we see. And I guess they took Harrison Ford's performance and shaped it with their AI and blended it together to be able to do this for us. And of course, we see that with Harrison Ford, but they also did it with Mads too. So mm -hmm. it was both actors. So I'm like, what? Yeah. 
both actors you're able to do this it was just so crazy to me well and i mean this is another podcast but think about the possibilities of what this means for the future of cinema which is like even after harrison ford dies theoretically they could just be having another actor on there and then having harrison ford's face yeah. get cgi'd on there and then whatever proceeds goes to the family or whatever charity he wants right like uh, this is yeah. is this ethical i don't yeah. know like it's gonna open up a whole new thing and eventually do we even need human stars is this gonna have like a whole new cadre of ai movie stars and human movie stars and like i, I can't wrap my brain around it right now <laughs> yeah well i would hope that that would never happen and i would assume that you would need to get permission to use that person's likeness too so oh sure let's sure, hope sure. that doesn't happen Oh, yeah. man. Okay, so let's talk about Indiana Jones and the characters that we saw and the new characters. Tell me, Great. do you want to, who do you want to talk about or what do you want to say about anybody? Okay, I, I'm seeing here on the list, we have, of course, Helena Shaw, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I think was well cast. I love her anyway from Fleabag. I think she's a fantastic actress, and I love that they picked her to be his goddaughter. Uh, and potentially like maybe hint to the future that there could be some future spinoffs of her as archaeologist, which I think right. is great, right? Like, yeah. Hey, let's show like late other young girls out there that archaeology is also a viable career for you. So this is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad, especially now as Barbie is coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> archaeology is cool too, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so love that and love the return of some of the, the characters from the previous films that were sort of like fun little like comic relief sidekicks or help move the story along. The one that I kind of was like, what are you doing in here? Was the, the Shanette character. I was like, okay, I get that. Like there has to be another bad, like I had the head of the bad people that are sort of like, rounding up the whole Nazi franchise like afterwards, but that was a little confusing to me. Like the whole crime family, I guess it was in the sixties, whatever. So I don't know, make it make sense to me. Shanette Renee Wilson, who played Mason, who was the yeah. FBI or CIA, whatever yeah. government. I think they had a different track. I think that they wanted this device for their own reasons because my feeling was that she was helping them because they think he's a, or he was hired, right, to be work for NASA. So he was actually sort of had his own motives. Uh, I'm talking about Jurgen Voller, who played who's played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I think he was just working as a science, a NASA scientist with them. So I don't think that they knew about his Nazi background, I, and that he wanted it for himself and what he was going to do with it. But what I wanted to say about her, I liked her. I liked her vibe. She seemed to yeah. second guess things. And I thought she was going to become an ally of Indy, but they killed her off. And I also read that the way they had killed her off, she had a problem with and she spoke to the director about it. And he changed it. Because he oh interesting he heard, he understood and heard what she had to say about it, so they changed it. So what it was before, I don't know, but 
there was something about her that uh, struck me is that I liked her. And I thought, oh, she's going to work in their favor. And it didn't end up that way. So I was a little disappointed by her role not being expanded. Um, Well, I, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I feel like, I guess if there's only one criticism, they, there was a missed opportunity there for, I'm talking about future franchise movies for like, she was a great, like a Foxy Brown character, right? Yeah. Like you got the great hair going on. You got like the sassy, no nonsense, like, and also like very professional, um, like police authority person, right? Like someone in, in a position of power. Like that would have been a cool partner for Phoebe Waller Bridges character, right? Exactly. Like what a cool double duo of like lady ladies who know about history and someone that has the authority and power to make it happen and and go through a red tape to be able to have access to that. Like, yeah, that that's a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. Yeah. I also want to say about uh, uh, Helena Shaw, her role. I would say for me, that probably was the only role. I thought she was great in that, you know, playing that part. But I feel like she switched at some part. Like, I kept thinking, why is she so, um, like, letting... Anti-God uncle? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anti-uncle or godfather, whatever it is. It's like, uh, yeah. why are you against... Uh, Indy here, what are you doing? And why? what is happening? I mean, she was out for herself or her, I know she was trying to help that kid too. I understand that. But why didn't she say that? I don't know. There was something missing in her character for me for a while. Yeah. But then when she kind of changed and, and started to have conversations with Indy, then she switched to a different path, which I appreciated, but I thought that that that, that was a little bit of a bumpy ride in her character. Yeah. Well, they didn't make the stakes high enough to explain why she was acting the way that she would, that she was right. Like if it would have been like, if you don't get this thing for us, then we're going to kill him or like take a finger off for every hour that you're late or whatever. Exactly. Right. Like that would have increased the stakes, but I feel like it was just a little bit like, I don't know why, like you said, it seemed a little schizophrenic mm-hmm. in a way. Like, what do you, what, why are you playing both sides? And maybe you could express a little bit more loyalty towards your God. Exactly. Father. Yes. Uh, and, and like, why are you so hell bent on getting this thing for yourself? And I, and we get that, like, you're the hard ass, like everyone deserves it. It's the free market. This is capitalism, whatever that line was, <laughs> um, which I thought was kind of funny, but yeah, I would agree. So this is, this is, I love this conversation, by the way, because now you're making me think like, wow, maybe the thing I loved about the whole movie was just the fact that it was this great, like, homage, and it was all just the Indiana Jones character, and I just like looking at that whole thing, but maybe the story was kind of full of holes. <laughs> it was, but who cares? I mean, who really? cares? Exactly. It was, but who cares? That's, that's, it's that's still, my review. It still worked. It still worked. <laughs> Okay. I, 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 I mean, I said that to myself, but it didn't make me dislike the movie anymore. It just wasn't yeah. perfect. That's all. That's all. Yeah. It just wasn't perfect. And it wasn't trying to be a perfect movie. And I think that's, that's the whole thing of like, if it's coming out and it's, it's like this, this is going to be the last Indiana Jones movie that we're going to make. And we're just doing it, doing it for the fun of it. And it's going to be a total blast. Like we're not trying to win best picture. We're just trying to be a really solid indie movie. Like, can, is that okay? 
Yeah. And mind you, there were so many things that we don't even notice that are so good. I mean, everything that we talked about, all the, all the places they went and all the stunts that had to be put together and just everything that they were on, all the fights, everything, all of that takes so much effort. The three years just for the de-aging. So yeah. much work went into this. So I, I, we keep saying the movie isn't perfect, but I mean, no movie what is, is perfect. perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No movie is perfect. Everything has something that someone is not going to appreciate about it. There just is. So yeah, whatever well, it is. I mean, regardless, this will be a movie I will watch again at some point. Exactly. In my life. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the dial of destiny itself and its significance, because it's this powerful mythical object that holds the power that we had talked about of transporting through time, time travel. Yeah. Time travel. So yeah. What do you think about this? I will say I'm a fan of time travel. The next screenplay I'm writing is a film about time travel. So I'm super extra motivated to see what people are willing to accept or not in terms of suspension of belief and how is that possible? I was going to say earlier, when you said that person you were (laughs) at odds with said something about the holes in this and that. I'm like, well, does, he doesn't like Back to the Future, does he? Because nothing can be perfect. Another great adventure movie. I mean, when it comes to time travel, nothing is ever going to be perfect because it just can't. You just can't. Because yeah. if you go back then, then that already changes the future. And then, do you know what I mean? So it's never going to make well, sense. And you're making me realize that like, until we actually figure out how to do it, no one can criticize how it's being done. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no one knows how it really works. So maybe it is as simple as finding this ancient thing and then putting it together and spinning it around a couple times. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to bring up the this whole uh, Dial of Destiny uh, significance was because, you know, Voller really wanted it because he wanted to go back to kill Hitler and take over and basically do the same thing. He just wanted yeah. to be the ruler of. I want of to it. kill Hitler and be Hitler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my exactly. <laughs> but also because I wanted to talk about it because of Indy, because yeah. when he is transported to the past, he wants to stay there. And what you think, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because I have my thoughts on it. I'll let you say yours. Well, I mean, maybe this is another one of those plot points because it took about like, are you sure you want to stay? Okay, I'll come with you. Like, <laughs> like there wasn't really any hard convincing or why, you know, that, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, wow, wouldn't it have been cool if like Marion got on the plane and then they ended up back in time and then we knew that they were going to live happily ever after, like in a different time that maybe wouldn't have affected the future. Who knows? Like, we don't know how the butterfly effect works, but yeah, like, uh, that that was a little, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, like gratuitous? Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't, you share your your thoughts. Well, what do you mean? I, I think I'm I'm not sure what you're trying to say. You, what do you well, mean? Well, I, I don't know what I like. It seemed like, why was it even in, in there? Like, why would he want to stay? Okay. Why? So, well, one, because he gets to see you know, be with this famous person that existed way back then. And so he gets to experience firsthand what it's like. I also think he was wanting to run away. That was my thought on that because he thought he had nothing to go back to in regular life. So those were the two 
reasons why I think he wanted to stay. And he didn't go back with her. She had to knock him out. Yeah. She knocked him out to come back. So, And that, that was the other funny thing that I saw. Like, wait, you're trying to tell me that she had to knock him out get him on a plane back to the United States, then on another plane back to New Jersey or whatever, New <laughs> oh, York or wherever on. they were, then then drag him up to his apartment. And then he woke up magically when he was in his apartment. <laughs> well, I, 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 assumed kind of funny. He, I assumed he was at the hospital. Yeah. How would he? I just assumed, okay, my mind just went somewhere else. He went to the, she got him back, went to the hospital and then he got home because he was in some sort of like coma thingy. I don't know. I right? don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, time travel's exhausting, right? Exactly. <laughs> He's 80. Come on, people. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he was out for four days. Get with it. <laughs> Who knows how long he was out? Well, but, okay. I suppose like I, I can understand like the, 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 the essence of that scene would be like, let's show Indy's humanity in the fact that like when you feel like that you're, you don't have any loved ones to go back to, is there any point in living? Like maybe, maybe choosing adventure versus choosing potential relationship. Cause it's not like Marion was dead, right? Like he always had that potential door open too. Yeah. But so, he was also retiring too. So maybe he just felt, uh, he was in a funk. Yeah. In a funk. That's exactly right. Because they did show us that part too, that he was, basically retiring. And so yeah. I think that they added that to show so us he was, his his funk that he was in. Yeah, I, he, I, had, he said a human moment. I love that scene when he when they show first the first part where he's young and then they the next scene we see him and he gets up and he's all his 80-year-old self. I love that scene. Yeah. I thought, yeah, you yeah. know, he looks good for 80. He looks good for AD. So, okay. Uh, so for me, I love the heartfelt scenes when he talks about to Helena about his son and what he would go back to do is to tell his son not to leave, not to enlist in the war, go to war. I don't, I'm not sure his exact words because he knows he's going to die. That was so sad to me. And so, um, just him reflecting on the grief, uh, really got to me. And then, uh, of course, the very end with Marion returning and being there for him and just having them reunite. They had to. They had to do that. That's what I feel because I would not have been left on a good note if we had not seen Marion at the end. And I just thought that that moment with them. And also, the for me, watching them, they're these two older people together. And there's just something really sweet about that. And there's something... I don't know, just very nostalgic too, because there are two people who began in the first movie and here they are in the last movie. So I thought that that was, um, that was great. And also the final shot of the movie is, you know, showing his, his iconic, uh, fedora on the washing machine and then it's grabbed at the last minute. So I thought that that was really cool. My, my sound designers are outside, by the way, working on the, the wind blower or the leaf blower machine. <laughs> Real life is happening around. This is not a movie. This is real life, unscripted. I agree with you. I think that showing their chemistry at the very end was absolutely beautiful. That's not something that you see all the time, right? Or something that can really tug at the heartstrings is like a senior love story. You know, knowing that they had been together for so long and that now they were reunited. I thought that was that was really important to show for as a moment of closure. It is. It is, totally. Yeah, I just, uh, I love the movie. I know you love the movie. We encourage everybody yep. to go watch the movie. It is so good. 
uh, just go in with an um, an open mind when you're watching it. Not everything will be perfect, but it is such a good uh, bookend to the first one. And I think it's a great fifth installment. Agreed. Eight and a half out of 10 stars from me. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that wraps up our conversation on Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny. Okay, Courtney, do you have any TV or movie recommendations for us? I do. Currently, uh, just finished all the seasons of Party Down on Stars. Highly, highly recommend it. It's just a silly, stupid, hilarious show that can just be on in the background, but there's so many comedians in it. It's just freaking hilarious. Um, love that one. And including Je- uh, Jennifer Garner, who comes back in this very last season, I, who I thought was great because like, she's a huge star, right? Um, loving hijack. I saw that was on your list too. Yeah. So maybe we'll have to do a future, future podcast <laughs> on whatever this first season is, but absolutely yeah. loving that seat, the, the two episodes that I've seen so far, the ones that are out. Um, we, de- we definitely binge the bear of season two. Loved it so much. Another great, great series. We're watching Outlander season six just because, you know, we've, We've already put so much time and energy into all the other seasons. It's talking about time travel. They went through stones. <laughs> yes. So that's how it worked for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I will say I'm loving High Desert with Patricia Arquette, Bernadette Peters, and Matt Dillon, which is on Max. Oh. Formerly HBO Max. Okay. Um, so fun, smart. Patricia, Patricia Arquette is such a great, um, she, it's kind of like a, what do they call like a comedy drama, dramedy? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but she's, she's such a great actress. Like I love her comedic timing. It's so good. I will have to check that out. I don't know that one. So, and the fact that you love it, I can't wait to see that. I, of course you had mentioned hijack. I am loving it so much. Idris Elba is yeah. so amazing. I love oh. that it just, we don't even know. I did watch the third episode. It was out, I think, on Wednesday. But you don't even know why these hijackers are hijacking. Uh, and it's just seeing the passengers interact and all having their own uh, uh, idea of how to move forward. And, and not yeah. everybody agrees. And all these real life things are happening to people. People need their asthma or their insulin. And there's a little kid. Yep that got out of her seat. It's just all these things are happening. So people are panicking. It's really good. It's really intense. Go watch Hijack on Apple TV+. Plus. I'm yep. only on the first season of Bear because everybody kept oh. watching it and, and telling me to watch it. So I'm on the first season. I am really liking it. And I'm also watching And Just Like That, which is the Sex in the City sequel and series. It's on season two. That is on Max. I'm loving that. And then Lincoln Lawyer just started this weekend, season two, and that's on Netflix. And so that is like just a regular TV show. So there's nothing super violent about it. There's nothing crazy. It's just a regular TV show. So if you just need something to watch and not to think too heavy, then that'll work for you. But that is what we have for you. We hope you'll check these out. Let us know what you think. Courtney, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. It is always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Diana. All right. Until next time, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something that we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our website, Screens and Focus at screensandfocus.com and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. 
Okay, we're coming up on our 200th episode. So look for that in the coming weeks. You can check out my weekly Facebook lives on what to watch this week. And also our website is in the show notes, screenfocus.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.